10-5, he's into the end zone, touchdown Arkansas State. Deflected into the hands of Feltz, Avery for three, hits! Cover is safe, the Red Wolves have walked it off! Welcome to the Second to None Podcast, the A-State Podcast, presented by Simmons Bank. Now, here's a couple of guys who know the Red Wolves like no one else, Matt Stoltz and Brad Bobo. And we welcome you in to the Second to None Podcast, presented by Simmons Bank, a very special guest swinging by here in just a little bit, and A-State Chancellor Dr. Kelly Danfus, our farewell visit. This is exit interview. <laughs> it is his exit interview, that's right. Looking forward to that coming up here in just a little bit. The biggest story of this past week, however, the passing of a legend at Arkansas State. Got the news last week that... The winningest head coach in A-State football history, former athletic director as well, Larry Lacewell, had passed away at the age of 85. And you hear the phrase, well, he was one of a kind. (laughs) I don't think that could be any more accurate than with Lace. He was certainly one of a kind. And Yeah, one of those people that if you meet them once, you'll never forget them. And I know that uh, there's a whole lot of people, not only in Northeast Arkansas, but you saw the sentiments coming in from across the football world. Every place he had been, they sent along their well wishes to the family, and certainly we do as well. But uh, what a life he led. Yeah, you know, obviously one of those guys that just took over any room he was in. Number one, if you didn't do this, it just tells me you never met him. But, I mean, obviously, he was by far your best shot at ever wearing a Super Bowl ring. Because, I mean, <laughs> he'd let you wear it. Absolutely. And, and, you know, he carried him around all those championship rings uh, famously. Or when he passed away, you know, that was, you know, late Tuesday night into early Wednesday morning. You know, I, I went back and found a picture of my now nine year old who was one at the time holding a Super Bowl ring. Because we saw Coach Lacewell out somewhere. But yeah, uh, really, really something. And I got to tell you, you know, one thing happening obviously changes the way a day looks. And this obviously happened for, for me and my business on Wednesday when you think you know what a day's going to look like in terms of doing a sports talk show. And then all of a sudden, everything changes. And so uh, I was able to find a couple of good, in fact, better, a great guest to come on and talk about Coach Lacewell. Ron Carroll actually came up to the studio with me for a half hour. But then we had Tim Langford on. Mm -hmm. And uh, I got to tell you, uh, you folks, the story, Dr. Tim Langford, now Arkansas Sports Hall of Famer, told me. So first of all, he thought he he was basically the first guy Coach Lace will sign, you know, playing quarterback down in Searcy. He comes up to Arkansas State and uh, essentially plays basically his whole four years playing quarterback. And he came with the intent of being pre-med at Arkansas State, so he could be a family physician. He's going through there. He's playing football. He's handling his business academically, which you'd believe. And he said after his junior year, he started getting hankering that he might want to coach. And he goes to Coach Lacewell and says, Coach, you know, hey, I'm, I'm thinking about kind of shifting gears and getting into coaching. And he said Coach Lacewell told him, no, you're not. world's got enough coaches. You and so here is uh, you know, Tim Langford who's come with the intent of going being a family physician. Coach Lacewell says, World's got enough coaches, you go be a urologist. And he knew some guys in that line of work and kind of connected them with Tim Langford, who now is the you know, dean of urology at UAMS. Wow. And I never knew that. Story. No, I didn't either. I thought you were going to say, well, you go be a doctor. But nope. he said specifically, go be I a asked urologist. the same thing. He told the story, and I said, wait a second. That's exactly what I said. He didn't say, Timmy, you go be a doctor. He said, no. He said, you go be a urologist. What a story. <laughs> Another memory, and I know you and I talked about it very soon after hearing of Coach Lacewell's passing last week was – Back in 2007, we had the rain delay (laughs) against Memphis for that football game. And, of course, the game ended up getting postponed. And during that rain delay, we had Coach Lacewell throw on a headset. And and you and I were there, and we made the occasional comment. But mainly, it was 
him and Bill Keating yeah. telling stories. And I think I, I made a comment last week on social media. I, I don't think I've ever laughed as, as hard as I did that night just hearing those two go back and forth because it was so much fun to listen to. And the comments that we got for years. It really was years. Years and years about listening to that interview during that rain delay and people had gone back out to their cars and they were listening there and that was uh as entertaining of a of a interview a a rain delay i guess as we've ever had so people say why'd you do that well i mean if you recall this game in the stadium's full i mean the teams are taking the field but it's time to play football and the bottom falls out yeah so which means we didn't know what was going to happen we were out of breaks we couldn't go to commercial that's exactly what happened. So, yeah, it turned into a comedy hour, unlike any we had really ever heard, but it it was a whole lot of fun having those two together. Another event from this past week, uh, the A-State baseball season comes to an end over the weekend. They get swept at ULM Thursday, Friday, Saturday, did not qualify for the Sunbelt Conference Tournament. So a extremely frustrating year for A-State baseball comes to an end. You know, just never put it all together. And even when one phase m- might be doing well, it, it seemed like the other two never got it going. And I thought this past weekend was probably a good illustration of that you get some offense thursday and friday we scored nine in the game thursday we scored seven in the game friday but the pitching wasn't there ulm outscores you each time and then finally the pitching's a little bit better in the saturday game and the offense couldn't get it going so yeah a lot of what we've seen all season long it's hard to, for people to hear that the record's what it was and you look at how close it could have been but go back to the First weekend of conference play. Texas State, who might, by the way, host a regional, was in here. Now, Texas State ended up going 15-0 and on the road in the Sun Belt. It's unreal. And, very, and really should have dropped two out of three in Jonesboro. Mm-hmm. Could have easily dropped two out of three. I mean, Texas State down 6 nothing after one inning of Sun Belt play. <laughs> That's right. It's just, and then they go on to do what they've done. Yeah, so it, it really was a frustrating season. I know for everybody involved, and look, I know it was for fans too. But as a fan, if you think you're frustrated, well, you'll times that by a hundred or more, and you might get to close to how frustrated players and coaches are. We lose sight of that sometimes, but it's true. Other news this past week: congratulations to our friend Olivia Schmidt. Yet another honor for her, named Sunbelt Conference. Women's Golfer of the Year, first player of the year in A-State women's golf history. So yet another accolade for Olivia. Pile them up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, really, we're running out of things to say. So I'll just say this, you know, segue. I mean, just congratulations to her. We mentioned, you know, we, we view her as a friend of ours now, and so too does our next guest. And our next guest is joining us next in studio. Stay tuned. Dr. Kelly Damphus is on the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank right after this. When we play today, we win something bigger than ribbons or trophies. We win our tomorrows. Wherever we play, wherever we fight, wherever we overcome odds, we're winning our way. Simmons Bank is committed to supporting women athletes in the communities we serve and are proud to be an official sponsor of A-State Women's Athletics. Not just for a season, but for a winning future. Seasons are short, but fierce is forever. Simmons Bank, member FDIC. And we welcome you back into the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank. We welcome in now our good friend for the final time on this program. What? Try not to get... <laughs> oh, it's it's a, final it's time you're our good friend. <laughs> well, for the final time anymore. on this program as... The Chancellor of Arkansas State University, Dr. Kelly Danfus. How you doing? Guys, it's always great to be with you guys. I'm doing great. Um, it's it's actually, it wears on you after a while about final time and last time to see people and trying to make connections. Like, I don't want to just disappear. Like, I want to make sure I see people before I go and kind of, because it, it can happen so much in the summertime where you're just not around people. Next thing you know, you've moved on and people go, well, I never got a chance to say goodbye to that guy. Uh, and so trying to do all those things now is uh, the big challenge, but uh, it's bittersweet. It's uh, 
you know, sad that it's happening, but glad that it happened. So we're going to give you a chance to say goodbye to fives of people fives of people and it must be tens of people (laughs) (laughs) hey i love what you guys have done with this podcast it's been so much fun for me to catch up and you guys have done some great interviews the last couple uh weeks with some student athletes that i'm glad people got to hear their stories uh the one you did with brooklyn was unbelievable and uh you did another one with grace recently which was really good so that's great you know people hear a lot and think a lot about baseball and basketball and football don't think about those other sports very much. And so it's great for those student athletes to get some exposure, but not just for them to get exposure, but for our folks to learn about the real stories behind the people in our program. Yeah. And that's part of kind of what we wanted to do with this. Just, you know, have a chance for our fans, our listeners to be able to get to know in depth these people. And here's an amazing story with you. I mean, and I still can't believe it was just July of 2017 when you arrived on campus at Arkansas State. So just under five years. And I think about all the things that have happened in that short amount of time. It it seems like you've been around much longer than that. Well, it is interesting. Sometimes, you know, those uh, Facebook has this uh, memories thing where you can go back five years ago on this date. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, some pictures popped up about my visit to campus during the interview process. And that visit started, speaking of athletics, started with a tour of town and then went to the tower. And I met Terry Mahajer there. I met him the night before the reception, but then met with him there. And I have a picture of him and Beth in the club area, maybe the suite area. And he's pointing towards the north end zone and saying, I've got a plan. If we can just get the trustees to to sign off on this, that we're going to, um, you know, we're going to have water features in the corner and we're going to build an <laughs> operations center. And you Beth, thought he was nuts. Beth and I were walking away. That guy's got a vision, but uh, I don't know what's going to happen there. And then when we got here, I mean, I was his, his enthusiasm was so contagious. And then uh, we actually went to the trustees and got them to prove it. And then next thing you know, we're digging holes in the ground and tearing those bleachers out of there. And then uh, to look back on that. And I did that the other day. I went out in there to inspect the new uh, Sunbelt Conference logos on the field, make sure that we were up to snuff on that. And I kind of turned to my left a little bit and saw the operations center and the water features that are there. And to think about what that looked like five years ago and what it looks like now is unbelievable. And when I talk to people around the country, they talk about our facilities, especially in football, how great our facilities are. There's a certain amount of pride there, but also some yeah. pride not just in what certainly what I did, but what we all accomplished together. Dr. Welch actually was on my show the day your announcement came out and told the story that this whole thing started with a phone call that neither one of you went into expecting to amount to anything. Yeah, it was funny. I had been approached by headhunters before. That's kind of how this business works. They hire a search firm and they reach out to people. And when you're the dean of a college of arts and sciences, which is typically the largest college in a university like it is at Oklahoma, you get a lot of those. And so I just routinely just deleted them. I'd been there for 20 years and wasn't thinking about leaving. And uh, he emailed me on a Monday and I went home that, that night and said, well, this wasn't a head, this is like the president of the system. And Beth said, well, where's Arkansas state? We heard of it, but not, didn't know much about it. And I got on my phone and Googled it and said, Jonesboro. And she said, well, where's Jonesboro? I said, well, let me Google that. (laughs) Let me look again. And I said, well, that's near Memphis. And then she said famously, what are their school colors? Because I'm not going anywhere with orange or purple. She's not a big LSU fan and uh, University of Texas and Oklahoma State, longtime rivals. And uh, she said, they got orange. We're not even going to talk about what scarlet and black. Well, she's got it. A lot of crimson in her closet, so from Oklahoma days. And she said, well, go ahead and do that. So we actually got on the phone with him on Tuesday. It was supposed to be like a half-hour phone call. And we actually we had to cut it off and say, hey, we've got to go to this function. We got, But we talked for like two and a half hours. And he's so engaging. You know what? how good he is speaking. Then he started sending us pictures of campus and so on. And then the next morning, he wrote me and said, if you want to apply, the search committee is meeting this afternoon. And so you got to get your application. And I said, I, I don't even have a resume. I'm yeah. not ready for this or a letter. <laughs> he said, just get something in. So I actually, Long Kruger and I were scooping ice cream at the staff social. And I said, <laughs> I've got to go do a thing. And I went and applied. Chuck and I had never, there was a rumor that he and I were friends, but we'd never met before. I didn't know anything about him at all, except for he seemed to be a very kind and gracious person. But I applied that afternoon and I was on the, I made the short list that day and they made the announcement that I think the next day they actually released who the three finalists were. And I had the job like 
11 days later. Like it just, they moved really quickly. And I think he'll do the same thing here. They'll move pretty quickly here too. That whole process went by very quickly and, and uh, it was a whirlwind. And, you know, I have to say that at the beginning, you know, it happened so quickly. I thought, you know, what have I done? Because I left the place that I knew, like I knew where everything was and how everything worked and going to a place I wasn't sure I could do the job. You know, I've been a dean, but being a chancellor is a totally different deal. And I, I had a not buyer's remorse, but just some nervousness, like I'm going into an unknown situation. But what I came to was a campus that was a little, you know, a little damaged. Some, there was some pain on the campus and certainly some relationships with the community as well. And I, without knowing it, I came to a place that actually fit who I was. Like I was, I was the right person at the right time. Mm -hmm. And some people say, well, we got to go find another Kelly Dan. Well, you don't, because this is a different place now. Five years mm -hmm. now later, this different place. Now, the next chancellor has to have a different set of skills. But I was able to kind of like find my place here. And I, I felt it took me a couple of weeks to get feel that way. But I did feel like this was the right place, right time. You're from a small town. And I remember when you came to Arkansas State, you said that you wanted to create a small town type environment. And you certainly did that. You know, when you look at what you did as far as reaching out and, and having the relationships that you did with the students, whether it be through something as simple as taking a selfie or mentioning somebody on social media, that's something that... I know people noticed right away, and I can tell you that you know when I was in college, I didn't know who my chancellor was, but we even run a commercial talking about yeah. how Arkansas State University is a place where your professor will know your name, your chancellor will know your name too, but that's the type of environment you created here. Well, you know, Arkansas State lends itself to that because we are a smaller campus in a, in a college town where you can, of course spend all your time in the office answering emails and doing meetings. But I felt like I needed to get out and interact with people. And when I came from my job interview, uh, I was supposed to give a vision statement, like what will the future of Arkansas State look like if I'm the chancellor? And it was, it's kind of a scary thing to do. To It's kind of presumptuous to say, here's my vision for Arkansas State when I've only heard about it, you know, thought about this job for the last couple of weeks. But I had a slide that I I put in, I took out, put in, because Beth was thinking it was kind of corny, but it actually had a slide with a T-shirt on it that said, every red wolf counts. Actually, the first version said, every wolf counts, because I didn't realize red wolves <laughs> and wolves, I didn't understand the difference. That's how naive I was about the place. But I changed it to every red wolf counts. And the idea here was that every student needs to feel like they're connected to the university and understand why they're here. And every employee in town and every faculty member and staff member on campus needs to understand that students are so important to the economy of the city, but also to what we're doing. They're the reason that we're here. And then when I got here, I felt like I, I really needed to embrace that idea about every student mattering. And, and that plays its way into athletics as well. Like the student sections weren't very excited. Uh, you go to a football game and there were not very many students or you go to a basketball game and so on. So I felt like I had to kind of embrace that kind of that one slide that was in my presentation. I had to embrace that really heavily. And that got into, um, you know, I don't have a chief of staff. A lot of presidents will have someone come along and taking pictures of the president doing this or doing that. So I was my, I was my press person. I don't, I write my own tweets. I write my own speeches. I write my own emails. And so I didn't have someone say, Hey, take a picture of me in the student section. So I would just take a selfie with them. And, um, and that became kind of the calling card. And it can, if you're not careful, it can feel like you're being a little narcissistic, like mm -hmm. you're taking pictures of yourself doing stuff. But I was, what I found was that students wanted that because they wanted to be on Twitter or Instagram or Snapchat with me. And it became, Hey, let's, they were asking me to take pictures with them, and that kind of became a thing. I enjoyed doing that because it really helped me connect with them and then helped us in the athletics world get the students back connected with athletics. We, While the crowds were down generally in football and basketball the past couple of years, the student section has actually been stronger than, ever, than yeah. when I first got here. The student section mm -hmm. was completely full in football. And we had huge crowds at basketball in the student section as well. And I hope that we're able to keep that going after and then the rest of the crowds will come back as well. well I think I know COVID and our records have not helped with attendance, but I think um, the students will help lead that. So so it's been the uh, connection with the students has been wonderful, but also, you know, frankly, the connection with the whole community and the faculty and staff has been great, too. But that really kind of started with that. 
So this job sort of found you when you weren't looking Arkansas State. Yeah. So how did Texas State <laughs> find you? Well, it's sort of the same way in a little bit. So we were perfectly happy here and thought that we were making some great progress here. And actually, you know, our budget's in great shape. Our enrollment numbers, I just had a meeting on enrollment for the fall. We were looking really good with enrollment. Paid down a lot of debt. We've built up reserves on our campus. We've built some buildings. We've got a, the biggest gift in, in A-State history to build a new engineering and art building. And so we're momentum's going well, in fact, uh, so well that Beth and I bought a lake house in October yeah. in, in Arkansas. And so, you know, we kind of saw this is our place. And then we, of course, you buy a lake house, you got to buy a boat, people tell me. So we bought a boat in December. <laughs> and uh, I've only been on it twice. And one was yesterday to move it to the new slip that we bought. So we were like kind of locked in here. And then Beth's mom has been, you know, we're at a certain age now where, where you need to reverse roles where you start taking care of your parents. And uh, she has been, you know, COVID was very hard for older people who were in certain facilities where they couldn't get out. We couldn't get in very easily. And so Beth has been increasingly going back and spending time with her. And literally uh, December 19th through 24th, she went back to visit her. And then over Christmas break, Beth said, we've got to figure out a way to get home. I, I can't go back and forth. And she needs me more than she's ever needed me. And she, I can't bring her here. And she said, we need to look at going to Texas. And we're in the lake house at Christmas break. I said, we just bought this place. And she, <laughs> and, and it was, it was a mutual decision. I, I love her mom and we want to spend time with her. And so about four days later, the search firm from Texas state reached out and said, Hey, you've been nominated for this position. And we just kind of looked at each other and said, I can't believe I knew the position was over. Denise Trout and I have been friends for five years and I knew she was retiring. But I never imagined that that would be, I mean, I was thinking about like a faculty job at A&M or maybe at Blinn Junior College, which is in the same town with, with uh, her mom. But I was, I've never been, I've never been about the presidency or the chancellorship. It, it, to me, it's just something I did. It wasn't who I was. And so to go back to the faculty wasn't going to be a bad thing for me to get close. But the chance to go to a place like Texas State, which is decidedly bigger, but it's certainly back in the in best home state. It's where we met not far from where we met. And so that opportunity just was too good of an opportunity to just start exploring. And then we start exploring. And then next thing you know, you have a, you know, we have a zoom with the search firm. And then I, when that happened, uh, I knew I was kind of progressing a little bit further down the way. So I reached out and talked to Chuck and told him what I was doing and why I was doing it. And he's very supportive. And then just one thing led to another. And next thing I knew I was the finalist, the sole finalist for the job. And then was offered the job, then you start a whole new process of moving on. Because you know? Texas state law is written to the way where, where like when you were, you were one of three that came on campus here in Texas, they're allowed to do this where they can say, this is the sole finalist. The sole finalist, yeah. That's who we intend to hire. Yeah, and that really does help. In some ways, it's challenging for the faculty and the staff to not play a bigger role, but they're, they're members of the faculty and staff on the search committee uh, at Texas State. But when I applied here, I came with three or two other finalists and had a whole day of the interview process. And but in the end, the search committee is the one that made the decision even here. And so the search committee played the same role there, but just with again with naming one finalist at the very end. And there's a process where you go through. You meet with the search committee, then you meet with the search committee again. Then I met with the chancellor of the system. I had a meeting with him, and then he made ultimately the decision based on the recommendation. Kind of the same thing that happened here. And then you go back, once you're the sole finalist, then you go back to campus and start meeting. With, so I had a series of town halls on a, on a couple day period, and then, then it was, was done. You say you've never been about being a chancellor or president of a university. I mean, you're a guy that grew up wanting to be a royal mounted Canadian police officer. You know, that was that was like my stated goal. Like I tell people that now, but I never really believed that was gonna happen. I also want to be goalie in the NHL. And that was like but I never really thought I could become a Mountie. I thought really, you know, I've I've shared this often enough. I think it's it's out there. My best friend worked in a gas station and I worked in a grocery store and my grocery store closed at six. I go home and have a bite to eat, go to the gas station, hang out with him, and that was the day when you pump the gas for the people. And he'd go out there and pump the gas, and I had nothing to do, so I just washed the windshields. And every time I pump my gas in my car now, I wash the windshield. I think I literally think of that those moments, thinking that 
you know, someday Randy will quit this job and I'll get his job. That's a job I really thought I could get was pumping gas at that gas station. And it wasn't until I moved down south in February of my senior year, my dad moved us down south. And then in April, my school chums were all talking about going to college. And I thought, going to college? I never even thought about it. I didn't apply to go to college till late April. And it was for a law enforcement diploma, associate's degree. They call them diplomas there. But I was, I was only 17 when I graduated in high school, so I couldn't get a policing job. So it was really, I was just stalling for time so I could become a police officer. And that's that started my higher education journey was just kind of like, biding my time until I could get old enough to become a police officer. But that's oftentimes people will read those, that bio and they'll mention the goalie in the NHL and amount of police officer. And neither one of those things happened. So I've always like a piece of me dies every time they mention that. You, you, you've had to, you've had to settle for yeah. uh yeah. Life, life, tur- life turned president. out all right. And I've, I've, I've been so blessed in my life. And that's one example. It's amazing just kind of looking back. And and I remember when we heard the news of you moving on to Texas State, our reaction was mixed just because we're sad to see you go, but we understand. And I just kind of look back and we talk about the interaction with the students, but you've just been such a part of this university in every single facet over the last five years. And, you know, we see you all the time at athletic events. You're so supportive uh, of our student athletes, and we've seen that time and time again. You, you come out to Lost Pizza for our radio shows, and you're out there almost every single week. But it, it's not just athletics. I mean, any kind of event at the university, you've tried to be there for it. And, and I've often thought, you know, when, when does this man sleep? But where does that kind of work ethic come from? You know, it's interesting you say that because I think that if you follow me on social media, you might get the impression that all I do is athletics. But it, during COVID, there weren't a lot of activities to go to besides athletics. And yeah. so there was a lot of stuff in there. But you go back to my earlier first two or three years, you're right. There was a concert. There was a, a choir or a play or a faculty research presentation. I was there. And, and part of it was uh, going back to, again, that first interview when I did the Every Red Wolf Counts, I was Foolish, I foolishly was focusing on students there. But when I got here, I had to realize, I came to realize that every Red Wolf Counts means our alumni, but also our faculty and staff, and that they need to feel like they matter too. And that's why I felt like I had to engage with them as well. I'd been a dean at a former institution. I was also the faculty athletics rep, and Beth and I lived in the residence hall with student athletes. And so the athletics part came easy for us. But I was also, because I was a dean, I had to pay attention to the academic stuff as, as well. And so that led me to be very comfortable going to a baseball game uh, for the first two or three innings and running across the street and seeing a play and then coming back and catching the end of the game. In fact, that's the beauty of baseball, right? You can, you've got a couple <laughs> you of hours in there. You can do that. And then to engage there to t- make sure I took a picture with the students who were in the play so they felt as appreciated as the students who were playing baseball. And so where does the work ethic come from? It, where most of these things come from, from family. I grew up in a pretty poor situation. My parents, my grandparents were, were farmer stock. And so we spent a lot of time on the farm. And my dad was, uh, dad, mom had grade nine and dad had grade 12. And together they scratched out a living uh, in Canada, moving around and working as hard as I could. And um, I remember changing the brakes on my dad's truck one time. And uh, I thought, someday I'm going to have a job where I don't have to change the brakes on my own. You know, I was just, I was kind of a silly kid, but my dad was always working and, and uh, always had me beside him doing stuff. And so I learned that from him. He and my mom couldn't have kids. And so they adopted me and then another, she literally was a redheaded skinny little gal and then had foster kids coming in and out all the time. And so I saw them never stop working to provide for other people. Mm-hmm. And that's, that, that stuff came naturally. I had a, I got a paper job when I was 12 and I never, I've never not been working since. Now, one of your other roles since you've been at Arkansas State uh, has been president of the Sunbelt Conference, and that's something that's come here in the last year or two. And first off, you're staying inside the Sunbelt Conference, so does that mean you'll continue to be the president of the Sunbelt? It's one of those kind of weird deals, like when someone leaves, like you're sad to see them go, but they're going to go and you, you you say goodbye to them and then you never see them again. And there's some comfort in that, but I'm going, but not leaving because I'll still be in the Sunbelt Conference at a, at a sister institution. To me, there's some comfort in that because I'll still be connected to not just to Arkansas State through the conference, 
but to the conference itself. And you know, in times of crisis, when things are challenging, you either say we're we're going to be all in here, or let's start looking for other opportunities here. And when when conference realignment happened, I happened to have just become I've been the the conference board president for about six months or so. You know, you have to be protective of your institution, but also wondering about like, are you going to go to a new conference or do this? And I, I didn't know, we always wanted to keep our options open, but I felt a strong Sunbelt was the best place for Arkansas State. And so it didn't take me long to figure that we don't need to be lobbying to try to get into another conference or trying to, trying to move anywhere, that my efforts had to be about keeping us together. And so we had a lot of meetings with, with my fellow CEOs uh, about keeping us strong and then what does it take to make us better. And then through those conversations, and I give Commissioner Gill a lot of credit for this, he was, he's not the kind of guy that draws a lot of attention to himself, but behind the scenes works very well and is very collaborative. We decided that sticking with 10 plus the two non-football schools wasn't really the best situation for the conference. But if those schools were to leave, there'd be 10 football schools only. But if we could get to 12 or maybe 14, if we keep our geography right, if we can go after programs that are really good, and we started identifying the programs that that we thought would fit us geographically, but also programmatically. Some conferences go after like TV markets, Mm -hmm. and that can be a disaster if those programs aren't very good because you're gonna be in a big TV market but not be a very good program can be a problem. So we started identifying like uh, what's a good FCS program that's ready to make the move. So many of us come from that, you know, Coastal and App and Arkansas State, who started off as FCS and made the successful move in the FBS. And JMU kind of leapt off the page. It was like the next person in, right? Sure. And then uh, started thinking about was Southern, you know, Southern Miss and Marshall being two great brands. I mean, historically, even though what they're competitive abilities are right now, but historically those are great programs and the potential for them to turn those around and become really strong programs and strong competitors for us were really good. And then uh, Old Dominion kind of came along as well and we started looking at geography and their interests and so on. So the ability to bring 14 schools in together that are in 10 contiguous geographic states, like you can't, you can drive from Texas to Virginia and not leave a Sunbelt state. Mm-hmm. And so creating drivable distances, there's some schools that will never fly anywhere for a football game. They'll bus everywhere. And that saves us some money, creates these regional rivalries. And so in the end, we ended up creating a very strong Sunbelt. And, and the other thing that's been great is that we're actually going to be done like July 1st, we're done. There's some schools that still have a 2025 timeline for yep. them. They're like four years out to being done. We'll be done and we'll be strong. And, and so I'll be able to, going back to your original question, I'm retaining my seat as the president of the Sunbelt Conference and also my seat on the board of directors and the board of governors in the NCAA. Because I'm not leaving the conference, I'm able to keep those as well. So I'll keep that until my, until my terms end and then I'll roll on. Yeah, we knew the dominoes would fall after Texas and OU made their announcement. And it, it was really a defining moment for the Sun Belt. And you and Commissioner Gill were a huge part of that. And again, the, the Sun Belt was going to go one of two ways on this thing. And it seemed like they came out stronger than ever before. Well, if you look at realignment, I think especially the G5 level, I think that we, we are the G5 conference that came out the strongest. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think if you look at all of them, you can argument can be made that we came up better than all the conferences uh, when you look at the final result, especially the speed at which we did it. You know, it's another one of those things that, and I'm glad about this because I'm not, I don't like to attract attention to myself, but there's a lot of stuff that happened behind the scenes that no one will ever see or hear about. And luckily I've got a terrible memory, so I'll, I'll forget most of it. <laughs> but um, there was some, there was some moments when things weren't looking very good. And there was rumors about changes that were happening and phone calls and Zooms and meetings and so on that, that it wasn't just automatically assumed that we were gonna end up where we were. And I give a lot of credit to Commissioner Gill for doing that, but also to our fellow presidents and chancellors in the, who at some point made the same decision we made. A stronger Sunbelt is better for them than to maybe go to another conference that might look good now, but not might not be as good in the end. And so credit to everybody else for, for making that happen. It, the end result was not assumed even at the very end. I mean, there were some sleepless nights and weeks leading up to that, but it, was, it all worked out well. And it was great for Commissioner Gill in the court of public opinion, because as you said, 
he's a guy he, he he maybe doesn't seek or go after a lot of attention he's very good behind the scenes well joe fan and and social media follow, they don't see behind the yeah. scenes and so like this was the most public thing they'd got to see him through it and i think it's probably swung a lot of people his way when the, the way this all shook out and rightfully so and i think you're right uh, there are some people he's a very modest guy and he doesn't draw attention to himself because it's just not in his personality uh, it's actually interesting. He and I were both at Oklahoma at the same time. We didn't know each other back then. So we have some Oklahoma ties. And so we had a, a natural connection. But we've developed a really strong affinity and friendship over, over the years. And um, I couldn't be more proud of him because you're right. People finally got to see what he's doing behind the scenes. And, and all of athletics isn't really super exciting, right? There's some things that just kind of like you just have to work through the process, like scheduling. How are you going to do scheduling for basketball? But th- those are not really sexy topics. Mm-hmm. But when it when push came to shove, and the most important thing that happened in the history of Sun Belt has been realignment in 2020 and 2021, and he did it. He pulled it together. And you're, I think you're right. I think a lot of people now are saying that's a pretty good hire that Sun Belt made a couple of years ago when they brought him in. Here's what I'm going to go back to. You look at the time leading up to. I mean, you you had to have an idea of when Texas State was about to make this announcement, and it came on the heels of some transfer news that had rocked men's basketball football had some everybody's got them but there were some big ones at arkansas state kind of had folks reeling are you sitting there going oh man i know this is about to come out and the timing of this stinks a little bit yeah we actually delayed the announcement for a couple days because i didn't want to i didn't want all that news coming out at the same time and so we the people at texas state were gracious enough they understood the issues and so we kind of i think the actual announcement was delayed like four days or something like that, trying to let that story kind of die down and then move on. But then it didn't help that much because it just, some people said it was like body blows. Like you got one, then you got another one and uh, what's next. And I, and I felt bad about that because it feels bad even talking about like who, who cares if the chancellor leaves, right. Compared to having uh, the player of the year leave your basketball team, that's much bigger news. But, but there were people that felt like that was just like another, you know, dagger. But the good news is I think, Coach Bellotto has recruited really well yeah. this mm-hmm. this year. I hope people are seeing what he's doing there because he's. I, I'm teasing him. He waits till I leave to get two seven foot tall basketball players. Right? <laughs> uh, I said I should have left a long time ago if that's what it took. And then uh, I think Jeff Purinton's going to do a fantastic job. He's uh, going to make some. Uh, I think great relationships with people here. He's going to bring a lot of experience here. I think our football team is just primed to do stuff. Do you think about the recruiting job that? Coach Jones did this past year, and and our other sports are are aligning the same way. Women's basketball is bringing in some great players as well. So I think we're just primed to do really well. I think that week though was really hard. It was yeah. one of the most stressful weeks because there was other stuff going on in the background that nobody knew about that was also adding to the stress. Um, and so I understand why people were anxious, and uh, the timing was terrible. It could have been worse, <laughs> but the timing was terrible. But I hope people, and it always is that way in the midst of stuff, it seems like this is the worst thing that could ever happen. And then you kind of move on and, and then it doesn't seem that bad. Like a, a two and 10 football season sounds terrible. Or, but then like two or three years from now, like remember how bad it was and how much better we got. And so you, time makes things easier over, over the long term. Tell you what it did. And I, I told Stoltz this last week. Uh, maybe on the on the heels of some of that other news, some of these goings and this transfer, you know, it's kind of, I mean, I guess it made me mad. Yeah. Your announcement comes out. And, and what it did, it reminded me that not everybody grew up in Northeast Arkansas, went to and graduated from Arkansas State. They've had the opportunity to spend their whole career at home and work in and around the athletic department for the last 20 years. It didn't make me mad. It was like this almost a little bit of uh, reality hit the crowd that this is a nomadic business. Yeah. And it th- th- just sort of served as, a, I guess, a reminder that I needed of that fact. You know, Jeremy Harper wrote a really good article after my announcement came out saying, now that I see, actually expressing the same sentiment you did, saying, now that I see Dampus leaving, it makes me a little bit more comfortable with other people leaving because I get it that not everyone grew up here and has the same ties. Now, I'm cautiously talking about this, though, because I don't want anyone to think that I left because I'm not a Jonesboro person. I don't like it here. We're leaving for personal issues, and I would have been perfectly happy to stay here the rest of my career and had planned it. You you don't buy a a lake house (laughs) in the state (laughs) the month before you're leaving because that's your plan. 
but it is a, it is a little bit of a nomadic experience and students come and go and faculty come and go so i you're i think you're right there and i think when you put that all in perspective it makes you a little bit more comfortable with some of the people who leave yeah you know, a little more understanding especially when you think about young people who are being given an opportunity they might not even have ever imagined for themselves two or three years ago to get the opportunity to go do something different it's awfully hard to judge them on that what does remain are the relationships though yes and you've built a relationship with so many people over the course of the last five years and and just i can speak for me and brad here i mean it's been phenomenal just having you around and uh, your friendship has has meant a lot to us over the course of the last five years and yeah i remember the day the news came out that you were leaving i'd put out on uh, on twitter you know just the fact that uh, you're the most humble, most accessible, most hardworking administrator I, I'd ever been around. I threw in the humble part, and I, the, the first picture I remembered, and I know I posted this as well, was that rain delay we had for a basketball game, and he he <laughs> picks up a mop. I completely and starts, about that. And starts it. mopping out there <laughs> in his suit at midcourt of, of First National Bank Arena. But but I thought that kind of defined you. I I really had. Completely forgotten about that, but that has been my nature because the way I was raised, like no one's too good to do any of this stuff. And there's this idea of leading by example, and you know things like living in the residence hall the first couple of weeks of the school year. You know, we did that because we wanted to try to make a connection. When COVID happened, you know, our staff was not excited about me moving into the dorms. Be honest, uh, we had plenty of room there, unfortunately, but because the enrollment was down because of COVID. But I thought, how can I? tell a parent and their student it's safe to live in the dorms if I'm not willing to go there myself. Sure. So it's been that kind of mentality, like if if I want you to do it, I should do it. Same thing with teaching. I taught the fall semester that COVID came back. And because um, we were, remember in the summertime, we thought COVID was going to be gone and then it came back. But I, how can I tell the faculty to go teach a class if I'm not willing to go teach a class? And I had my mask on. I had the, the plexi shield and I was trying to, I was actually teaching in the Hames room. So my classroom was taken out of the humanities building because it was too small to hold all my students. I slept down in the, to the Hames room, just like all of our faculty did. And so, so I've just always felt like I needed to, like, if I'm asking you to do it, I should do it too. And i um, glad you reminded me of that story because I'd completely forgotten about it because I'm trying not to think about leaking roofs in the First <laughs> National Bank arena. <laughs> but uh, remember, it was the Convo Center when I first got yeah. here, by the way. It's it's another one of those changes that uh, we're so thankful for well, the, the donors and, that have helped us make those changes. And you mentioned, you know, your, that initial meeting with Terry and his vision for the North End Zone, and, and that's come to fruition yeah. in, in less than five years. I remember when you got here, a, a lot of the talk was about this new convention center that people were talking about. And, and look at where that is now and just uh, an amazing addition to campus it's you know again you you tend to forget those things but when i got here the the hotel and convention center on our campus was a dead it was dead i mean there was going to be a hotel and convention center in jonesboro but it wasn't going to be there but when i was applying for the job i had fallen in love with the idea that what how great it would be to have a hotel on your campus i've been at a couple of institutions that had that not nearly as nice as what we have now here and I, I knew the value of it. So uh, Chuck Welch and I went back to Tim O'Reilly and said, hey, can we rekindle this and see if we can get it going again? And he said, okay, let's see if we can if we can do it. And then, you know, it just worked out. Uh, now the timing was terrible. So we were doing North End Zone and the hotel and convention center at the same time. And the weather was just, we just were beating our heads against yeah. rain. And you'd, you'd put up forms and, and uh, you'd pour cement and then rain would come and it'd all wash out and you had to tear it all down and pull it up again. And so they were delayed in finishing, just like we were delayed in finishing the North End Zone. And so they opened in February of 2020. And they had all these conventions lined up. And then March 2020, they shut everything down. So they faced tremendous struggles coming out of the gate. But now you can't imagine not having a big event there or hosting a community event there or the graduation parties that will happen there. And uh, the number of people who will now come to Northeast Arkansas for a convention and then go home and tell their kids, but oh, I was just up in Jonesboro. I didn't realize how great a town it was. And then maybe you should think about going to school up there. And so the recruiting advantage it gives us is tremendous. I welcomed 900 uh, students who were on our campus to do, a, it, it's called thespians. These are actors and actresses who are preparing for the arts. And 
they came to our campus and got to stay in a great hotel and have a convention there right in the middle of our campus. And if they didn't walk around campus to see it, shame on them, because I think this is a great opportunity for us to bring those kids here and recruit them. So that hotel and convention center, I will tell you a funny story, though. So when it was being built, I would drive by it. Like I, when I would do my walks around campus, I would always walk by. And back when I got here, there was just the track and there was like a chain link fence around it. But the chain link fence had fallen over and there was like it was all rolled up. And I would take pictures of imagine having a hotel here. Now I can't even hardly <laughs> fathom that, that what it looked like back then. But in the midst of them building it, they put this insulation materials like foam around the outside of it. And it's green. Some people thought that that was going to be the color of the hotel. And they couldn't believe that we we're going to have a green embassy suites on our campus and and so i got so many like angry comments from people saying like why is the hotel going to be if it's going to be anything it should be red <laughs> and it was just the the green insulation but it turned out to be beautiful the oh, addition yeah. to our campus and it's great for our fans to be able to stay there if they want to watch a football game and, and the amenities are unbelievable you said um early on in this conversation that people mentioned where they're going to find another kelly Danfus. you said they don't have to because and you were exactly right. You were what Arkansas State needed when it needed that. You were a salve of, of, sure. to come in and, and, and heal some wounds. So now what does Arkansas State need? They didn't, if it doesn't need the next Kelly Danfus, what does it need in the next chancellor? That's a great question. I thought about that a lot because I've had a lot of people who are current chancellors and presidents reach out to me about the position. And I've stayed out of it. I'm not involved in the search at all, except as a cheerleader and to encourage the search committee, encourage Chuck, and also to encourage people to apply for it and to explain how great a position this is. So we actually have, uh, we're in a better budget situation we've ever been in. Uh, We've got a lot of resources, uh, a lot of potential, but we need someone who's, who will take us to the next level as far as innovation goes, because What's happening in higher education is there's two or three things here that are really hurting us and there are problems in the future. One is athletics. Like how are we going to handle athletics? How are we going to compete at this level with the limited budget that we have? And there are, there's budget issues related with athletics in the state of Arkansas about how they structure funding of it and, and so on. How do we manage that? How do we get fans to come back and how do we get donors to re-engage? So athletics will be a, a huge issue. But we also have a, a growing problem in the state of Arkansas with young people deciding not to go to college at all. So the college going rate, that's the number of, that's the percent of kids who graduate from high school who go to college in Arkansas, somewhere around 43%. That means 57% of kids are saying, I'm not going to go anywhere. And that's community college, four-year schools, public, private, whatever. And that's a problem. And so what happens is you've got all these public schools that are competing with each other for the same number of students, but actually the smaller number of students. The number of students going to college is smaller, and they're all competing. And the way they're competing is through cost reduction. So the same thing if you're if you're at a grocery store and you're trying to sell bread and the neighbor uh, the store down the street selling it for a dollar and you're you're a dollar twenty five, you've got to drop the price to dollar twenty five to get the customer to come in. Same thing has happened in higher education. The discounting rate, that's the scholarships and so on that go along with at many people is is going up. So the revenue you get from a student per student is actually going down. So so that's going to really affect us. And then you got the demographic cliff that's coming. So in 20, uh, 2008, the number of babies that were born in America went down. And those students are now reaching 18 and 19 years old. So the number of students that are available to go to college is going down. So you need someone who's going to be really innovative, who can understand how we can get more students to come to Arkansas State. Now, our online program is blossoming. But the number of students coming to campus has been going down across the country. How can we turn that around here? Now, we've made some headways this year with the number of students coming here, number of admissions and so on. But the next person is going to have to, be, have to be really good with trying to think about how we can get our enrollments up here on campus. Because that, that, impl- that affects everything. More students here living on campus affects them how much money we can put into athletics, for example, through our auxiliary uh, budget. And so it's all tied together. And that's what that person is going to have to uh, – that's the big challenge in front of them. Well, we'll get you out of here with this, and there's no doubt A-State is a better place because of the impact you've made, but I thought, and I smiled when I saw it, after graduation ceremonies, you uh, put out a tweet that I thought was very fitting, and I was happy with you because I love George Strait, and he quoted, you quoted on your tweet, the cowboy rides away as you're walking out by yourself in your full regalia 
And I thought that was that was kind of perfect. Well, it's interesting. So at, when graduation finished, so we started because of COVID, we started doing graduations at the football stadium. And the plan was always to go back to the arena. And when we do it at the arena, we have to break it down and we have to limit how many people can come and so on. But the students love being in the football stadium and we love it too. And we can, if you start early enough, you can get through the weather. And so you, you're always worried. I'm worried more about rain than I am about heat. But we had this graduation ceremony, my last one. It's kind of my last public official act. And uh, I was, some faculty came down and they wanted to get a, they said, can you take a selfie with us? And so ironically, the self, faculty wanted a selfie. So I took a picture and then we started talking. And then I looked around and like everyone was gone. I was the last <laughs> one left. Like the stadium was, because we do this new thing now. When you walk across the stage as a student, you leave. And then your parents get up and they leave with you. So the last graduate, graduate, there's no one left in the stadium. And so there literally was no one left. And so I just looked around and said, man, I, I guess I just go home. <laughs> like there was no like there was no closure kind of thing, and so I was kind of walking up the ramp. And um, there's a family. Uh, one of the the student who gave me a tour uh, when I came for my interview was Haley Stotts, and her family's become very special to us. Mm-hmm. And um, her mom Karen sent me a picture that her daughter took of me, another daughter took me as I was walking up. And I was I was kind of in my feelings, you know, I was kind of walking up going, <laughs> man, this may be the last, you know, you're always thinking, oh, this is the last time to do this, last time yeah. to do that. And she caught this picture of me walking up, wearing my regalia, kind of like deep in my thoughts going, man, this is it. And she caught that picture. And I, I see you I went, got it as your, your screensaver here. Because it was so poignant to me. And it, I, it was she sent to me, I started crying because I was just like, I'm, I'm an emotional guy. And now I'm an emotional wreck anyways. At, at the top drop of a hat, something's going on with my tear ducts and whatever. But she just caught a moment of me reflecting about, I literally was thinking about all the stuff we did here. And I kind of, when I got to the top, she I didn't see this. I turned around and just looked back at the stadium and think about, it was just kind of symbolic of, so much of that's happening here, how many people were there graduating, how happy people were, what a beautiful day it was because it was a beautiful day. And thinking, man, what a great job this is. And then just that song just kind of hit me, just this is where the cowboy rides away. And I was, George Strait, ironically, George Strait is a Texas State alumnus. He is, and that's so right. so I didn't even think about that till after, but <laughs> when, I, when I decided to move to Texas to go to school, I was living in Canada, and a friend of mine said, if you're moving to Texas, you need to listen to this guy. He gave me a cassette tape, and it had Amarillo by Morning on it. It was George Strait. And for a whole year, I was trying to get my life together. I had so much debt and personal issues. It took me a whole year to get prepared to go to the States to go to school. And so I literally wore that tape out, listened to it every day, and, and meditated on it, and just was trying to figure out what Texas is all about. And so George Strait's my guy from the very mm-hmm. beginning, and uh, at least dating back to 1984 when I first got that tape. And so to me, almost everything in my life either relates to a Seinfeld episode, something <laughs> happened in Seinfeld, or a George Strait song, and that song hit me. And, and again, I get goosebumps, literally, as you mentioned it. That really hit me, and I'm so appreciative. What I love about it is it reminds me about that family that I created a relationship with, with Haley and and her parents, and both of her sisters, both attended, her middle sister actually graduated on that day, mm-hmm. and so and I got a chance to share that with her. I, was, I got a chance to tell her how proud I was of her to accomplish that, and it, you know, I, I know her younger sister and her older sister a little better because of our, our histories, but I was so proud of her for what she accomplished uh, on her own. And then it just, it just kind of hit me. And the fact that they took that picture will be part of my memory for the rest of my life. I may have that framed on my, at my funeral somewhere and uh, just because it was just a poignant moment. We're so thankful for yeah. you coming by today and for the last five years here at Arkansas State. Thanks for everything. Yep. Well, thank you guys. It's We're been taking a, a picture, right? It's been a pleasure. We'll do a selfie, right? <laughs> when this is done. <laughs> we got to do that. We'll take a picture. I've had so many great memories. And with you guys, I've got, I don't know how many selfies I have with you guys interviewing me. At, I think the bowl game, maybe in the first time we got together and did a radio show remotely. And then, of course, going to the coaches' shows. And, and yeah. it's been great to watch you guys uh, represent your city and uh, our athletics program, the university as a whole, so well. I'm so proud to call you guys my friends and you're right you just you know social media makes it so much easier to stay connected with people and so although i do imagine that the more i end up posting about texas state stuff which which i've resisted like i'm just not posting a bunch of stuff now but at some point i'll have to like turn the switch i'm gonna lose a lot of facebook friends it's gonna be like it's gonna be tough to deal i'm sitting there thinking that it's gonna be tough to deal with well you know there's a couple of arkansas state 
former student athletes that are now playing at Texas State that I know pretty well. And yeah. so yeah, yeah, we'll, we know we'll, them too. we'll have to commiserate with, together. So. Yeah, we follow enough teams and across the league, all that Texas State stuff is on there already and i know so. you're gonna i know you're gonna post it because and it goes back to you talk it goes back to when you were talking mopping the floor and it goes back to even story way before that and you used the expression on my show one time maybe the first time you were on my show and it, maybe it's a canadian expression or just one i hadn't heard but you'd said because if i'm in for a dime i'm in yeah. for a dollar yeah and that goes and that reaction went back to your 9-11 story yeah. but you're in everything in all things you do if you're in for a dime you're in for a dollar so i know you're going in for a dollar there dadgummit yeah the uh yeah dadgummit. yeah the 9-11 story was you know i was i was i had a green card i wasn't a citizen and uh, when 9-11 happened like that day i don't know where we were going as a country but i was living here and taking advantage of the opportunities that the american dream had provided for me and i said in for a dime in for a dollar so i like I didn't know if we we're going to go war. If they're going to need me, they probably didn't. If if they're if they're going to need me in war, we're in bad shape, right? <laughs> but um, but I I committed then to become a citizen, and it was like within six months I became a citizen. And it wasn't, and I'm not sure if 9/11 without 9/11 at some point I would have, I guess. But that kind of like I gotta commit here. So I did that. I I've mentioned to people like I they're using a sports metaphor. I left it all on the field. Like I didn't like skimp at all. I'm proud of the fact that, uh, and I gotta. Shout out to Beth as well, because she's, again, talk about going under the radar and not being noticed and stuff, but uh, what she and Julie Wyatt did to make uh, our home welcoming to people and engaging with the community unparalleled. So just I'm um, so grateful for both of them. They've become close friends, and that'll be a tough one to deal with uh, because Julie is such Julie Wyatt yeah. is such a great, not just a great colleague, but just a great person, and we've grown so close to her, and she just emblemizes what it, so much of what Arkansas State is like the people who live here, their love for the university, their love for Northeast Arkansas and for Jonesboro is unparalleled. And we'll miss those kinds of things. But again, being able to stay in touch with social media will be will be the blessing that for us at least. That's Dr. Kelly Nanfish joining us here on the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank. We've got more to come right after this. The Simmons Bank Card Alerts app lets you get more from your Simmons debit and credit cards. Set transaction alerts to be notified of certain card activity and choose how you receive each alert. You can suspend your card, set a spend limit, or decline specific transaction types. You can even manage multiple cards. If your debit card is lost or stolen or you're opening a new account, you can immediately get a new card just by visiting your nearby Simmons branch. Learn more at SimmonsBank.com forward slash debit card. Simmons Bank, member FDIC. Wrapping things up here on the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank. Taking a look at the week ahead, of course, there's not much going on for a while, but that's not the case with track and field as Coach Jim Patchell and 16 of his athletes will head to Fayetteville this week for regionals, the NCAA West prelims will be wednesday through saturday and just kind of going through those athletes seth waters competing in the 800 janae cook in the 100 and 200 meters sophie leathers will be in the 10k will glass and kevon holder in the 110 meter hurdles shelby melvin in the 400 meter hurdles our buddy bennett pasco in the steeplechase cameron newton smith in the high jump and the javelin she just won the sunbelt championship in the javelin uh, frank massey in the high jump bradley jelmerd and trace south in the pole vault carter shell and courtney thomas in the long jump evangeline harris competing in the shot put and the discus and imar palmasimo will be competing in the hammer throw on the men's side and grace flowers who was a guest of this very podcast last week will yes, be she was. competing in her final regional in the hammer throw as well and a lot of great feedback. I don't know if you heard it too from that interview with Grace. She just she was fantastic and really really enjoyed our visit with her. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, just I mean, we thank these young people for coming on and not just coming on, but just uh, being willing to kind of be as open as they've been. That's uh, it's really cool. 
been a fun episode, especially uh, getting that chance to visit one last time, at least in the role of A-State Chancellor with Dr. Kelly Danfuss. Anything you need to talk about before we get out of here? Uh, yeah, no rant, but uh, just to, to wrap up our time with Dr. Danfuss here, just uh, thank him not just for coming by today, but again, for somebody who's been a lifer around here, a Northeast Arkansas person, an A-State alum, just uh, thank him for making my school better. That's it. He certainly did that. You bet. It's, uh, again, been a fun episode for Brad. I'm Matt. You've been listening to the Second to None podcast presented by Simmons Bank.